You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this week's Shear uh, was sponsored very graciously by IDT Zone Yaakov and Arush. Uh, Jacob, as many know him, of course, he is Yaakov. Uh, he has brought to the company uh, things right. According to Aloha and Alpidin, um, I've learned a lot from him. And I was very saddened to hear about the death of his father. And of course, we weren't able to be Menachem Ovil in Eretz Yisrael. But he did return. He sponsored a uh, Shloshim breakfast yesterday. And these were names that, of course, were very uh, common in Morocco, where his father is from, Masoud Ben Parcha. And as someone, as we know, the Moroccan diaspora that came to Eretz Yisrael was very crucial in setting up, really brought to Eretz Yisrael, not only the schut of the Ruach of the Sephardim, but the Kedusha as well. So I thought as Masud, the Pasuk, that would make very good sense for someone who had probably seen very difficult times in Morocco, difficult times in Golut and Golus, and coming to Eretz Yisrael. This is actually what we lay on the second day of Shosh- and I don't think any, the North African Jewish community was definitely Saride Chorev, because we know the sword of Islam came down very hard on them. But they are able to find Menucha, they're able to find Menucha in Eretz Yisraeli. It's true, we're far, but we can make it. I feel God, I feel it, I see that God is palpable, His presence is there. I recognize it. And of course, as all the Mepharshim say, this is what God says back when we say that, when we feel distant from God. He said, when the person from Galut says, then the response comes back, yeah, unfortunately, there were limited plates. Um, and uh, we'll have to, I might have to... Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the one I put away. But you can know what? It's fine. Oh. Okay. I was I was nervous and busy, so I I asked Mechila. Alkein meshachti chased. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu says that He's going to uh, extend total chesed for us, and that's what it is. The rotzon to go to Eretz Yisrael, the rotzon to be there. The rotten to overcome hardships, and again, the very next pasuk says, "Oid Yisrael," and that's what's going to happen. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "I'm going to yet rebuild you. You're going to be rebuilt, and it's going to be a complete geula." So your father, Olav Shalom, uh, should have been the, of course, the beginning of Tzadei Pamanei Gula that we should see the siyum. Alken Meshachticha Chased. Of course, that's also a, a remiss to the story of Miguel Esther as well. So it should only be a schus for him and, and for all of us. Um, last week, we talked about Mordechai's trial. And some of you might have been a little bit surprised, but I think that we were able to show quite authoritative and, 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 and early sources that indicated that it wasn't just some malcontents who were upset about Mordechai. It seemed that the it was actually members of the Sanhedrin themselves 
Again, it's a machlekas Rashi or Midrashi and Tzedek. But there are a number of Midrashim that back Rabbi Vigder's approach, and we find it. And again, I don't want to bore you with, with a, a list, but I think it's definitely clear from, from scouting the literature that it isn't so fanciful to say that the members of Ashkenazim, they still felt that Mordechai had erred, and in fact, maybe even sinned in a couple of different ways. Now, of course, things seem to have turned out well, as we said last week, but that didn't stop uh, there for being tainous. And and we talked about three of them specifically. Um, just to review quickly, the first taina was that why didn't he make himself scarce? Why at least he should have either bowed down to Haman or he should have removed himself from the position he should have done a Daniel move, as we spoke about Daniel himself, even when was confronted to something akin to Avodah Zorah, just was Bireach, as I'll say. Take this off. <laughs> Feel like Haman a little bit with a clear But the uh, why wasn't uh, why didn't why did Mordechai why was he misgarib Rasha? The Medrash itself says the other Taina was maybe he should have let Achashverosh die. We see what type of person Achashverosh was. Why didn't he just let him die? We had a little bit of an answer to that last week. The, the Midrashim say that uh, he felt he had a relationship. He felt he had something done. Maybe the next guy would even be worse. But at least that was a time he could have let things lie and things might not have gotten out of hand with Haman in the first place that Achashverosh died. And the third thing, which I think, especially if you uh, listen to the podcast, uh, the after shear that we had, the order of charges, I called it, most of the, uh, well, at least Mark and others were making a, a forceful case that the way Mordechai dealt with Esther could have been seen as uh, inhumane. It could have been. It was. It was. It seemed to be uh, forced to live with a guy. It seems to have been worse, especially in terms of what it does for her when she willfully goes to Achashverosh. So those were the three tainas on Mordechai. I think that we could probably throw in a, one more, which I didn't mention last week because we always run out of time, and that is why did Mordechai decide? By Yavar Mordechai, why did Mordechai decide? Because Esther, true, Esther said everybody should fast. Um, and we know that that occurred during the Zman of, of, of Pesach. And we know Haman, of course, dies on the second day of Pesach. That's when Haman's Nefila happens, either second or third. It's Machlekes and Chazal. But it was definitely within the first day or two, or maybe the beginning of the third day. But assuming that all of that is true, we know that uh, the fast included the night of the 15th of Pesach, which meant, which means they did not eat matzah, they did not have a seder, they did not have the din of David Kosas. Um, were they involved in some sort of seder in terms of sitting there? And and by the way, speaking of seder, there is uh, Yaakov, there is uh, some wine there, and in the spirit of uh, Purim, there is some wine, Matukal, nobody's going to get too drunk from that. Uh, and uh, we learned in Dafyomi recently that part of what a Kaisal Bracha needs is Itur. And Itur, the Gemara says, means that there's a lot of small cups surrounding the large one. So surrounding the big two bottles of what Yaakov left, we left over from yesterday, Shloshim, the palm, the pomegranate, there's three small bottles of beer, and that would be a good Itur for you as well. So please please take that and, 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 and be toyim the tam simcha. So again, the question is why maybe what the schus of Klai Yisrael needed was more mitzvot. In other words, let's do the mitzvah properly. 
why don't we do the mitzvah of, of matzah this time and really mean it and really feel it? It, it would seem fasting, you know, it, it's one thing. You know, some people have, have uh, claimed a parallel to Mordechai's actions to what was done by Shlomo Melech uh, at the time of the Chanukah's Beis Hamikdash. Because the Chanukah's Beis Hamikdash, we know that it occurred seven days before Sukkot, right? That's when it happened. It happened in Tishrei, in Sukkot. I'm trying to be as much of a Sephardi today as possible for the for the Schut of the Niftar. So um, we know that it happened during the Yemei of, 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 of Yom Kippur. So we know that they did not fast during Yom Kippur, the year that Shlomo Melech um, inaugurated the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash. So, in fact... Even in that time, we'll look in, in, in the Midrashim, it says that many people were nervous. Maybe they did the wrong thing. It's one thing to be happy, but maybe Yom Kippur, everybody should fast. Yom Kippur is anyway not necessarily a Yom of Tsar. We could be happy on Yom Kippur and still and still not eat. So a baskol came out and was said to them, no, don't worry. This was the right thing to do to eat. So some have said, well, the same way when we're dealing about our... our, our, our this? this was during the period of Shlomo, when Shlomo restored the Beis HaMikdash. That's what we learned, that you don't um, have to... Have to, to uh, the Gemara Maid Cotton does right. talk about... Uh, like this week. Yeah, you, is that part of the... Is that part of the... Uh, you do Maid Cotton, or something like that. So I think there the Gemara mentions that's one of the rights, that Shlomo Melech didn't want the Chanukah Space HaMikdash to be part of Sukkos together. But, but that would mean, Yoni, is that the Chanukah Space HaMikdash and the eating was Doha Yom Kippur. So, so some say, well, the same way the Chanukah Space HaMikdash is Doha Yom Kippur, so when we have a, 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 a desperate situation, we should be Doha Achila. I'm not sure if exactly the two are the same. Um, they sort of sound similar, but again, obviously Mordechai was, was from the Gedola Yisrael and he understood what he was doing, but you can see, and I, I would assume, although I can't find you the Chazal right now, that some might have thought that this was incorrect. What we were doing, we should we should have eaten matzah. We should have done the mitzvah. It doesn't mean we have to have a huge meal, but we should do as much as we can. Now again, there are, again, there's ways that holds that matzah, so they should have done as many mitzvahs as they could. We know the one mitzvah that Mordechai kept on doing, and almost to an incredible extent, beyond beyond comprehension, was that besides Mordechai, you know, everybody was fasting, Mordechai, which of course that's what Haman thought he was going to do before he spoke to Achashverosh, we know that Mordechai was sitting and learning, learning, constantly learning Torah the whole time, which is interesting. Again, that was the mitzvah that Mordechai was doing, Ricard, but he wasn't doing the mitzvahs of, of Simchas Yontif, he wasn't, they weren't eating matzah, but they were learning Torah constantly. And con- but I think it spread to the Litvish world as well. They spend Purim morning, Yeshivas Mordechai at Sadik. And I don't remember that growing up, and I didn't grow up in the New York area, but you probably did in the New York area. It was always Yeshivas Mordechai at Sadik. And that was this idea, which harks back to the fact that Mordechai constantly was not the other. Things might have turned out. Okay, so I want to. I want to. Uh, Excuse me? Was Mishnah Yahya? Because it was the two nights of Seder. Um, 
yeah, it definitely lines up, right? A very good point, Yankee. The Sudas of uh, on the 15th and on the night of the 16th, there was wine that was being imbibed. Although it was being imbibed by two goyim, Achashverosh and Haman. I don't know if Esther was, I don't think Esther was drinking anything. Hopefully it was Mavushal. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's another question about about all the kashras that was so, going so, on. For the sake of the Jewish people, but it was not being done by Klal Yisrael itself. It was happening in some other way. But again, the question might have said, Mordechai, where did you get the right to do that? By Yavor Mordechai, what right did you get to do that? Okay, so those I think are the four tainas. Let's try to answer. Um, let's go to. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna this is Mordechai's defense. And you're right. Rabbi Israel Salanter fought. I didn't really want to talk about this, but okay. Uh, okay. In the spirit of in this. Hang, hang on. In the spirit of the Corona beer that we have here today. Edit the coronavirus, and I, if any of you, again, I got to put a plug in for our podcast that we did last night, Charlie Harari and I, about uh, responding to the panic of the coronavirus. It's, it's up on the Yeshiva's uh, podcast site. Um, we talked about, you know, what should we do in terms of Asiyas Amitsos, and we know that a similar events occurred. Again, this is really not rel- so relevant, but I'm going to, you know, we, we love taking these little tangents anyway. Um, it's not so much of a tangent. Okay, well, let me just, let me just give the back, let me just give the back. Uh, okay, so the background, of course, was that the, 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 the medical world, the Jewish world, was dealing with an outbreak of an epidemic. An epidemic that uh, was killing people, an epidemic that people didn't understand exactly how it passed from one person to the other, and the medical science, or the medical speculation at the time, and it was built on some sort of scientific empirical uh, observations, were that large gatherings shouldn't be happening, that people need to sleep a lot, uh, that uh, they can't be tired. So therefore, you, you, it was in Vilna. When, when Yom Kippur was approaching, there was a discussion among the Dayonim and Rabbonim, what should we do? Uh, we're worried about people massing together, people uh, tiring themselves out, and especially if they're weak and they don't have this proper nutrition in their bodies, they might be open to catching the, uh, the cholera. And um, the... Uh, <laughs> the Rabbonim in Vilna, Rabbi Yisrael Salantra was one of the younger Rabbonim, but the Dayonim in Vilna and others actually wanted them to go through with uh, a normal Yom Kippur uh, to take certain precautions, but chas v'sholem to allow people uh, to eat on, on Yom Kippur. Um, according to Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky as a Messiah in the Sefer Emes Miyakov, it's an incredible Messiah, uh, his son, of course, might talk about it more in um, in making of a godel. I don't know, but if you take a look there, you'll see that uh, the Messiah was that Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said people are going to eat on Yom Kippur, and that has to happen. And otherwise, uh, even if it's a suffolk, a tzad suffolk, and he said, if you're going to go against me. I am going to, Rabbi Salanter said, I'm going to take out your piske dinim, some of the gitten that you wrote, and the other piske dinim that are in the Oitzer Bezdin in Vilna, and I'm going to write refutations to it, and I'm going to show you that the community is going to see that the Dayonim are weak in halacha and don't know what they're talking about. 
So either you agree with me, or Yisrael Salanter was going to roll up his sleeves and show what he was all about, because he was really one of the great geniuses of the generation. Well, anyway, it was a lot of shifting and hemming and hawing, and Yisrael Salanter was able to bring some Rabbanim on his side, and he went from shul to shul in Vilna, uh, in the Beis Medrash Agodo, and he made Kiddush, and he drank, uh, he made a bar pragafen, and he drank there. That's, that's the story, and this is where Yisrael Salanter ensured that there would not be a, uh, an extension of this, of this terrible outbreak of illness to make sure that we do whatever it takes. We have a Yom Kippur, but he says it's a mitzvah saseh of shmartam zamshoseichem. What did you want to respond? Now, that's the story. What's the relative to, to what Mordechai did uh, over here? Just saying, Yisrael Salanter made a... Uh-huh. To do something outside of, you know, what okay. we normally do, do to avoid the mitzvah. Okay, but you know that the very, okay, Yankee, but you know this is by the fast, which would make them open to uh, to catching the disease. So therefore, he ruled with his brain and his mind and his understanding of medical knowledge and his understanding of aloha that over here, the Rabbanu Shalom wouldn't want us to fast because the whole point is, is to live. Whereas he... Mordechai should have cheshbin that we should keep the Seder anyway. How, that's your... That's that, that's that, that's what you're giving. Right? Does everybody hear the difference? Another. Matitzake lie. Yes. It's not the time. Right? So Mordechai made it made it This is the time. Okay, but great true experience, right? So actually, these were the tainus on Mordechai. Let's talk about. But I hear you. Thank you for bringing it up. It gave us some more time to talk about other stuff. No, I appreciate it. Though. Well, if you want to tie it in, it's important. Yes, David. What did you want to say? You can say that, 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 that maybe people are worried about catching... Tonight's and in the Bronx yeah. and other places, there's been you know yeah. cancellations of all sort of uh, large gatherings and, and in big Purim parties where you're going to have people all together and it's things like that. Because it makes a big, uh, a big Purim party in Lakewood. <coughs> I cancel it. Yeah. And that makes sense. Look, we don't know, and, and clearly, parenthetically, you say that Mordechai's cheshben was that since he understood that the gzeira was based on eating, that the gzeira was based on improper eating, eating from the Sudas HaChashverosh, so it was clear to him that the Derech of Tshuva had to have fasting in it, even as part of what Mordechai understood, because this way it lined up. And that could have been one of Mordechai's defense options. Let's talk about the first option, though, the first thing about why doesn't he just get out of there. Now, we mentioned the fact last time that he wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem, but still, um, it would seem that Daniel was a dictator, Achashverosh and Haman are not. So Mordechai perhaps should have uh, moved away. So there, there's two answers. And Bitsam and Sarish, where he could let Achashverosh <coughs> after the Seudah where he wore the garments, right? Right. Right, right. And that's part of the reason why people say they should have let him die. Was given to him by the Melech, to be Bishar Melech. So, and Eben Ezra, I don't know where he gets it from, Ben Ezra says it makes sense that to not show up for work, and not when you're in the Shara Melech, meant that you would die. So Mordechai has to show up for work. Mordechai can't just not be there. I think is a, um, I think a little bit of a stronger defense, and I, I thought it was really articulated nicely. So, uh, by one of my favorite 
Mefarshim. I don't know. People say. I remember when I once came to when I came to Mir when I was uh, seventeen years old, and uh, I met uh, 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 the the English chassidim. You know, the English chassidim are a lot different than the Brooklyn Williamsburg uh, chassidim. <coughs> it was a chassid from. Um, it was from Manchester, England. What? Yeah, you, you know them, right? There's like a different schnitt, like you know. So they, they they have the formality, and he was very upset because I came into his room and I saw that he had um, his name was Lieberman. Maybe he'll hear this. So I remember he had uh, he had this a, a, a set of Sifra Ravtsodoy Kakoyan on his shelf, and I walked in and I said, "Oh, Ravtsodoy," he says. I'm a, I said, "I'm a big fan." This is me at seventeen. I'm a big fan of Ravtsodoy. So he turns to me and he says, "Fan." You're a fan of Ravtsodik. I've never heard that term. He says, that's for football, a fan. But of a, of a safer, a fan, you know? <laughs> anyway. But um, the, uh, the uh, I am a fan of this safer. This is a safer. Um, it's not a Siddish safer, but I think it's, I think it's, if you have to have one parish on the Megillah, um, and the Vilna Gones famous parish could not have existed unless... It, this one was written was the Yosef Lekach Rebbe Yezer Arifei Ashkenazi he wrote the Sefer Maisi Hashem and he wrote a Peyush on Megillas Esther which I think is has never been matched so let me just show you what he says we'll go from last week I'm going to find it I'll show it to you on the board um, um, here we go um, let's find it here and I'll show you from Rabbi Yezer what his territory is. Again, the question is, why doesn't Haman just, why doesn't Haman, why doesn't Mordechai just move away? Here's the answer. Let's find it here. Yosef um, Lekach. Come on. So this is Fader. This is, is this last week? That was on Ribis. Okay. Um, here we go. So I want to show you this parish again. Those of you who can take notes on this, get yourself a Maisa Hashem on Chumash and on the Haggadah Shol Pesach. It's probably one of the top five Sfarim on the Haggadah. And who's um, in her Ashkenazi. So um, can everybody see the board? All right. Let me make it a little bit larger. Command plus. Can you get a little bit larger there? Sure. Everybody could see you now. Okay. So. Unfortunately, this is sort of a bad print, but you can see there on the left. <coughs> so he says, "I know what Chazal say that and that there was a Avodah and Asbigodim. Take a look here. Avul Nira, she'enon utzrichen mipnei zelei meshetzura hoyelobi begodov. You don't need to say that this was an Avodah issue. Why? Because let's take a look and see what the command was about Haman. The command was Yichru v'yistachabuloi." wasn't about being Mishtachabotabodazara. Last week I explained how Achashverosh might have seen Haman as an Avodazara through Ahura Mazda. You might remember that. He says, no. He says that Tzivoy was about Haman, but it was only Al Tnoyim. You have to be an Eved Amelech and you have to be Bishar Amelech. He says, obviously there were people who came to the Shar Amelech, there were merchants, diplomats people who weren't necessarily under Ahasuerus' original decree. It was Avadim and 
and and and Shara Melech. Yes, I was definitely in the Shara Melech. That was my job. But if you didn't have both, you didn't have to do it. Um, as he says here, he says if you didn't have. Mordechai, he says, he says, Mordechai definitely needed to give him a little more respect, and he probably did. But he did not bow down. The image of, of again, later in the Megillah, he acts as if he doesn't exist. But originally, it was he gave him respect, and that's why Haman didn't notice it, but he didn't do the complete Monty of bowing down. Now, the full Monty. The full There would be a soicher. You think he had to come and bow down? Now, okay, that's good, David. He doesn't get into that, but but he's gonna, I think, say something. Now, David is mentioning. David's mentioning the fact that there's a tradition that when they were fighting in the war. Uh, Haman was so desperate for food and he didn't have any supplies that he sold himself uh, to Mordechai and that Haman had a din of an evid of Mordechai and of course how could you ever <coughs> to your own evid this is what Chazal do say this Rabbi Lezer going with Pshat just says an incredible thing he says what was the idea of not bowing down now remember it's Shehu Yehudi so Chazal say, because a Yehudi can't do Avodah Zorah. Being, he was really from Binyamin. But the idea of Yehuda is, you, you don't do Avodah Zorah. But there's another way to look at it. And the other way to look at it is, is that because of our history, he says, we are never Avodim. Hashem said, you were an Evid once, you're never going to be an Evid. And look what he says here, and again, historians can, can determine whether this is true. As part of the Arab world's rules, that even though they have Jews, I guess even in their government, the Jew is not called an Evid. And the Jews explained why. Look, we all believe in the exodus of Egypt. We all believe in the exodus of Mitzrayim. God freed us. We can never be Avodim anymore. That's what Mordechai was saying. Mordechai is saying, look, I am a loyal worker, but do not say the word Evid about me. Because he, the Rebelezer Arife, the Yosef Lekach, says... Mordechai brought with him this rule that eventually shows up in the Middle Ages that Jews do not stand as slaves. He says, he says, I don't want that to change either. In fact, I want people to realize I'm proud of my service for the government, but that title is not true. And he says, because of this, we understand why the ones who did have the title on them, Avodim, were not so happy. Again, Victor Cohen said it told us it was the other people of the Sanhedrin but the way he's looking at it the people that were starting up in the morning wait, wait, <coughs> you're not an Evid and we are we both have to come to work no but I am not an Evid and that's the reason why they were very upset about it and that's what they said hmm you don't want to do it because you're not an Evid let's see if you're right let's see if you're right about your interpretation that's what they said Hayamdu divrei Mordechai is Mordechai is Mordechai going to be correct 
because we'll see if he's right. Who's first of all, maybe he is an Evid. And secondly, what's this difference between Evid and not Evid? But Mordechai's answer was, as you can see, Mordechai prevents what? Evidence is evidence. Yes, Evid, Evid, right? Evidence was. After Yehi's kavanas, Mordechai b'mashvul yekireya lachaman with toivas klolas ha'uma yisraelis. At the point he said, I was trying to make a point, a rule that would stand not just for me, but any other Jew who got a job there. And, and, and that's been the rule, that we aren't Avodim. But it's not because it's Avodah Zarah. He says, therefore, he says, uh, that was Mordechai's point. It wasn't about Avodah Zarah at all. Mordechai wasn't really bound. That's what he could say. I wasn't bound by that rule. There's others that say, by the way, that it says, Kikain Tzivalo HaMelech, that Achashverosh, even though technically he didn't stop people from bowing down, never went out there publicly and said, everyone has to bow down to Haman. Tziva lo, the lo is going on Haman. So Haman would tell people, Achashverosh says you got to bow down to him. Most people were scared. But it never really was a rule that you could have found somewhere in the Malche, in the Dosne of, 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 of Paras. So those are sort of two answers, technical answers, that Mordechai could say in his defense. He said, again, without saying the idea I wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem, one answer is it doesn't, it didn't apply to me, and I even deny whether there was really such a rule. I know Haman got very upset about it, but it's not like I publicly flaunted a rule of the king, it was not known to be a public law. In fact, the king never went out of his way to tell anybody that. It was something he told Haman to tell people. I don't even know if it was really on record at all. So those are some of the answers. I want to share with you, however, an answer that came out of left field today. You know, a lot of times in these jury trials, it looks like the case is over. It looks like Mordechai is going to have to be punished and reprimanded. And all of a sudden, like, oh, there's a surprise witness. Mordechai, this, this, we have a surprise witness. So to, I happened to discover a surprise witness uh, uh, to help Mordechai out today. And uh, I was, it, came, it came this morning, actually. But, uh, and I have to, I have to uh, thank my very close friend, Dovi Weiss, who is going to be giving this year in two weeks. Some of you have heard some of his uh, tapes on the, on the podcast. He'll be coming here in two weeks, and I know it's going to be a knockout. So basically... Um, this comes from um, a number of Hasidish sources, but it's this is pretty incredible. Let me just, first of all, uh, preface it by a couple of statements, and then I'm going to get to Mordechai's defense. So hear this for a minute. Um, one of the things that Chazal talk about, the difference between Rachel and Leah. We know Rachel and Leah, Rachel and Leah. We know that Mordechai, of course, comes from Rachel. Mordechai comes from Benyamin. Uh, Chazal say that uh, in the Medrash that Leah, as we know with Yehuda, was all about praising. She was very public in her praise. She was outspoken, in fact. She was a palm leader's Hashem. Chazal say that Leah, they use a term, tofsa plach She had the plach. Now, again, it's, it's somewhat, people would say it's sexist for today, but the plach was a needle. A plach meant uh, a sewing needle. Women have, that was the symbol of being a woman in those days, is that they sewed, they continued to be oreg and do positive things for the, for the house. But there's two types of needles, like big sewing needles, that represent each of the mohos. 
Leah's was a plach that sort of was like a loud thing. <laughs> it was being made at Hashem. And Rachel's plach was called the plach of Shtika. And both of those things, we want our Jewish women, we want maybe both of us to know when to be to do the Leah and when to do the Mordechai. To, I'm sorry, I'm skipping. When to do the Rachel, which is not to speak. Now, where do we know Rachel has the plach shtika? Everybody knows, you can all tell me right now, is where she was quiet when... What? With the simanim. That's where we first see her plach shtika. Right. Was she quiet when, when Lovren was asking her about the... Uh... Exactly. Very good. Another place where she has the plach shtika. She knows not to talk. Right? In fact, um, uh, she, she and actually, she actually answered her. She said, "I'm a child." She wasn't quiet, but, then. She, but she knew how to hide something. Plachstika—that's the point. Pla- put it this way. Uh, let me say it better. Let's take off my jacket. It's a little bit hot here. People who talk a lot end up revealing secrets. People, people who end up being effervescent and very pushing you open, even though you applaud that. Those aren't the people that you want to necessarily keep uh, the the, so delta. So, uh, Rachel, you're right. She said something. She said she's having her period now, so she did say something to her dad, but she kept secret. She said, said, Kiderach Noshimli. She was pregnant. No, she was saying that she was a Nida. Look in the Rashi and the Ramban there. She was saying that she was getting her period then, and because of that... um, Therefore, don't I can't get up, and that would also give love on the heebie-jeebies, right? Can you imagine? That's the one thing you don't want your daughter to tell you, right? That's okay. All right, I'll see you later, right? That's it was true in the time of love, and then true today as well. That's why she left the room. But that was that was like a secret agent. That was the plachstika that Rachel had. In fact, Chazal say that we know that the um, that the the stone of Benjamin. The stone of Binyamin was called the Yoshve. That was the stone in the uh, in the um, in the Eifod. It was called the Yoshve. So Yoshve is a type of you can look it up a type of emerald, a type of stone. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but Chazal there in the same medrash say Binyamin also Yoshve is the idea of Yeshpe. You can talk, but you don't. The mouth is there, but it's not revealing anything. What did Benjamin know? Chazal say he knew about the Mechira of Yosef and he never told his father. That was also something that was he saw to Benjamin. Yosef is the last uh, stone in the throne. Right, so and that is also the, the last, last one. one, right. But that's the stone. Yeah, but that's the stone. That was the stone, by the way, that they say that Dummy Benesina had. Anyway, a Kopan, and the point is, is that Bali Soid. Shaul, who is obviously one of the, the most distinguished descendants of Benjamin, <laughs> he becomes Melech, right? Uh, Shmuel says, you're the king, and he comes home. He doesn't say anything about it, right? It says that Dvara when he comes home with the Atonot, right? He comes home because he, he found the donkeys that were lost, and Dad says, oh, did you find them? Yeah, I got them, okay. He didn't say one thing about the fact that you wouldn't believe what happened, Dad. He didn't come in skipping and saying, I just became king of Gal Yisrael. He just walked in and said, yeah, the, I, I put the donkeys in the, uh, in the refet, in the barn. In the same way, Chazal say, Esther, Ein Magedet et Muladetah et Amam. So this is a line that now, 
Now, which means these Binyaminites, and we're going to include Mordechai in this, knew how to keep secrets. Now, what was the secret that Mordechai was keeping, which is now the surprise answer to the Sanhedrin? So there are many sources for this. The most famous one is quoted is from the original, I wouldn't call it the Satmarov, but the original Shoirish of the Gez of Satmar, uh, which is called the Yismach Meisha, Ramesha Teitelbaum. Um, he mentions here the question we asked a couple weeks ago in Shir, you might remember. How can you say that, according to some opinions, that Megillas Esther is from the Torah? The Bahag counts Megillas Esther or Purim as the mitzvahs of the Torah. Um, and the Ramban's answer to the Bahag is, you can see, it's up here on the board, that the Gemara says that in, in, in the fight against Amalek, the Pasuk says, Zosikarim Basefer, which Chazal say means, write in a book, write in a book about the war against Amalek. But Chazal say it wasn't just the war that happened in the time of Yoshua and Moshe Rabbeinu, but you should write a zikaron, meaning write what's in the Nevi'im. Basefer means write the Megillah down as well. So according to that Chazal, there already was in a prototype of the story of the Megillah was already, in a sense, the racial Prakum already written down. And based on this, he says, we understand what was it that the Pasuk means where it says, Sim Baznei Yehoshua. Moshe was told, give these words to Yeshua, put it in his ears. The, he explains, Rav Moshe Teitelbaum, that what it means is, is that it's a secret. And you know what the secret is? The secret is, is that there's going to be a Hatzalah of Purim. But Klau Yisrael can't know about it. Because when the Gzeira came, you take a look, Mordechai knew from the tradition that was handed down to him all the way from the time of the Mohama against Amalek that there would be approximately in this time period there would arise Xer against Klal Yisrael and we were going to survive it and there wasn't going to be a problem. And in fact, he says, if people would know about it, if everybody would know about the secret knowledge, nobody would have ever gotten scared. There wouldn't have been a tshuva movement. Nobody would have changed. People would say, Mordechai's got it in the bag. And therefore, even though it was there at the time of Matan Torah, there was Gedole Yisrael, Tzadikim, the secret Tzadikim knew about it. Moshe knew about it. He whispered it to Yeshua. And the people that were in the know knew that there was going to be a Purim story happening. There was going to be some event that would happen in the future where Amalek would make his super push to destroy Jews all over the world and they would be saved. And that's what Mordechai already knew. And because of that, he says, what does it mean Mordechai Yodas Koasher Nasa, the beginning of Perak Dalid? Did Mordechai knew because he was the head of the generation the people from previous generations had told him that there was going to be exera and there was going to be a saving and therefore and he really wasn't scared 
And in fact, Mashahirish Kolkach, this that he went out into the city and he ripped his begotim and he screamed. It was all, as Lovitz used to say, Drama. acting, right? <laughs> acting, right? He was basically just acting, right? Right? He says, right, the Hainu Bifnei Amon. He wanted to make the biggest thing possible. In other words, Mordechai is going to tell the people in our imagined case, I want to let you in on something. We had it in the bag the whole time. This whole thing was a way to get Claudius to do tshuva. And if I would have told you, and again, I knew what my row had to be. I realized when I saw what happened with Haman, I know how much he hates Jews. I know what's going on. I was actually the active agent to push something I knew that was going to happen. Mordechai knew the whole time. And therefore, it says that uh, I had to act as if I didn't know. So this was the big surprise that the, what? You knew? Yeah. And maybe Mordechai could even show that, look, here are the notes that I have from the previous Dairis. You guys were on the outs. You you guys weren't from the most Chosha people of Sanhedrin. I happen to know of all of this. And because of that, you can't, because this is really what was meant to happen. So that's really an excuse that's pretty hard. That's a defense, if it's true, it's sort of like, wow, it sort of saves the day. Mordechai was 100%. In fact, right, they say over, the Kloisenberger Rebbe, that's how, quotes this, uh, he was a descendant of the Yismach Meisha as well. Too bad Mich's not here because I know he has a Chesidah Shabbat. Shai, but you should preach it as well. Kloisenberger Rebbe said that there was a Gzera also in the time of the Baal Shem Tov, where and they wanted to, who knows what they wanted to do and get rid of the Jews, get them out, kill them. Um, in a certain area, and the Baal Shem Tev went to uh, Rav Nachman Ardenker. Rav Nachman went to Rav Nachman Ardenker and said, "We've got to do something. We have to tell everybody that they have to daven. We have to push for tshuva." So Rav Nachman Ardenker says, "Ah, this kazera, it's not going to be nothing." So the Baal Shem Tev supposedly said back to Rav Nachman, he said, "You know, if you would have been in the door of Haman, <laughs> if you would have been in that door of the kazera, there would never have been any hatzal of a purim." Because the Baal Shem Tev said, yeah, I know. I know that these things really aren't going to destroy us. And I know that these gzairs are really there to shape us, to form us, that there's something that we need. But the Hamayn can't know that. The Tzadikim, they knew. They could actually uh, be above, but they can't give, they, they have to play the game and allow the people to be, like, like we said, to be Eiches the Plach Shtika, to allow Klal Yisrael to, to, to be scared, to suffer. There's nothing like that fear to put into their tefillahs. The fear can now be transformed into something positive. They can see there's nothing except their Bainashom. All that external stuff needed to happen in order for that soul. That, that in a sense, was Mordechai's defense, which is sort of like a mystical defense, but again, there are people that can say that. I don't know if, they, if, if, if Mordechai could produce that, that that would have been... You see that from Yaakov, because he reached Russell Legalis' case. He wanted to reveal the end, but he did for the same, for the same reason. So, so it would be right, which means he knew what was going to happen. But we can't. But sometimes the people that do know act in ways because they're operating on these two levels. This is what Mordechai would have to really say in his defense. That could, I think, that I think would close the door on any of the arguments. 
In terms of the other two things about being Vayav or in terms of how we treated Esther, I don't know if we're going to have time for that. I wanted Yaakov just to say one positive thing before we, we're going to go into Daven and with two minutes. If you, could, if you wanted to say something, Yaakov, in yeah, terms of positive. something, <laughs> something, since, again, no, I, I, I <laughs> if Yaakov, if you wanted to say something at least, a l'shut of your dad or something, because this was this was l'ili nishmato. If you wanted to say something positive about the mishpacha or anything, and and and, and your bracha, since this it's your baby. Um, okay. Sorry for putting you on on the on spot. The spot. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, no, you're not that sorry. <laughs> um one thing I remember is when I was uh, a little kid and I was with my father to, to shul, like he was, uh, it was important for him that I would know how to, to, to read well. To get to read everything. So probably. when I was walking, he said, okay, tell me this, this parasha, or this shema, or this set. And I was like, okay, I said, well, I need a book to read. He wanted you to do about pair. So he said, no, to know how to read, you don't need the book. You need to say it you by heart. And um, somehow I... Uh, I learned it, uh, you know, that, you know, to learn things, you really need to know them by heart. If you don't know them by heart, it, it doesn't stay. So, uh, I think that's a very important lesson. I think, unfortunately, uh, we, we live in a, in a door, everything's so easy. So, I think that's a good lesson. I think we should, whatever we work on, we should review and, and know well. Just to end with this, the Gemara says, Ashri Yod person should always be bepachad. So the Gemara says that's not the pachad of, of a Haman, the pachad of a, a coronavirus. The Gemara says that's haku When it comes to divrei Torah, you have to have pachad. And Rashi explains because it, it goes away from you and what you need to do is review it and review it. Not having it in a book, but reviewing it enough that it becomes part of your mind because that's that's then it becomes really an essence, says, really uh, part of you. It says, uh, right. it says, uh, Somebody who learned Torah and then he forgets it. Right. So it's same with Chayv and Avshor. Chayv and Avshor, right. Because Torah. So constantly If you don't review it, then you don't have a. Thanks. Thank you. It's a beautiful word. Have a wonderful uh, Purim. We'll see you next week. It'll be. Thank you for sharing. Good. If you don't review it, then you don't have a. Thanks. Thank you. It's a beautiful word. Have a wonderful uh, Purim. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Yeshiva of Newark at IDP Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.